While Democrats continue to burn down the country, President Trump has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Not once, but twice. One of the president's nominators asked this question, can you name a person who has done more for peace than President Trump? Well, I am sitting across the street from the White House. There is a major Middle East peace deal being signed today. It's a wonderful question, shows you the difference between anarchy and rioting, between violence and peace. We'll get into it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday comes from John, who says, at football games, they should say, ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the playing of our national anthem. Everyone else, please kneel or remain seated in honor of our president, Donald Trump. <laughs> I love this idea because it backs the left into a corner, right? And they have to either have to show some respect for the flag or they have to, in a way, show respect for the president. Uh, obviously, John, I think, is joking, but he makes a great point, which is yesterday we were talking about how the left backs conservatives into a corner. So we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. They always do this. They're very good at framing the political discussion. We've got to start doing that as well. And uh, the left right now is using violence and is using the threat of violence to try to back us into this corner on the election. President Trump, while he's being nominated for peace deals, uh, he can't shoulder the entire burden of the conservative resistance to this on his own. Uh, we'll get into what that looks like. Uh, but first, I got to thank our friends over at We the People Holsters. Talk about making sure that you're in a safe position. We the People Holsters. If you've got a handgun, but you do not have a good holster, you are just not doing firearms correctly. And We the People Holsters is the best. These guys have terrific designs. First of all, you know that I lean a little bit more aesthetic, uh, even beyond utility, but they've also got perfect utility. Their, their holsters are fitted absolutely perfectly for your firearm. Satisfaction guaranteed. Best of all, they start at just $39. $39. Unbelievable. You got to make sure that you are doing firearms correctly. Also, they're made right here in the USA. So to get started, I've got an even better deal for you. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles. Uh, get yours. Every holster ships free. Comes with a lifetime guarantee. And then, even though the price was already so low, you'll get an additional $10 off with the offer code Knowles. So that, I'm no mathematical genius, but that brings it down to $29 for an absolutely top shelf holster in an incredible design, patriotic, made here in the USA. Go get it. Satisfaction guaranteed. If it's not a perfect fit, you can send it back. You get a total refund. WeThePeopleHolsters.com slash Knowles. And then what's the code? Very easy to remember. Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go on over there. Protect your firearm today. President Trump, speaking of firearms and, uh, and violence and peace, President Trump has an historic peace deal that is being signed just today across the street, which we'll get into. And for that reason, he is being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, it, it seems a little confusing, right? Because you're talking about the threat of violence for peace. This goes back to Ronald Reagan. It goes back far before Ronald Reagan. The idea of peace through strength. You know, during the previous administration, Obama, he was apologizing to everybody in the world and giving things away to everybody in the world and saying, we're not going to be violent. What happens? The world gets much more violent because of that. Trump comes in, he says, we're going to be very strong. We're going to have a strong foreign policy. What happens? You get peace. If you know anything about geopolitics, that makes sense to you. But for naive people on the left, it doesn't make sense. So why do you get nominated? How do you get nominated? Christian Tybring Gide. 
I'm certainly not pronouncing that correctly, a Norwegian parliamentarian nominated Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. People have been using this as a punchline, but it's not a punchline because Donald Trump certainly deserves the Peace Prize more than a previous recipient, Barack Obama. Remember, Barack Obama was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize after having been in office for nine days. It was completely ridiculous. Also, Barack Obama started a bunch of wars. Remember that? They told me if I voted for John McCain, we'd get more wars in the Middle East. Well, guess what happened? I voted for John McCain, we got more wars in the Middle East. He was only nominated because he was a symbol of coming out of the Bush eras and a symbol of hope, but his actual policies were not very peaceful at all. What about Al Gore, another past recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize? He got the prize for a PowerPoint presentation that was a bunch of BS. That, that, that they actually had to, had to censor in British schools. A judge ruled that they had to censor parts of it because they were just factually ridiculous. He wins the Peace Prize. Donald Trump, why should he get the Peace Prize? Because uh, he's signing historic peace deals. Isn't that the point of the Peace Prize? You would think so. He was nominated not just once but twice. Another guy, Magnus Jacobson, member of the Swedish parliament, uh, also nominated Trump uh, because of his peace deal, not just in Israel, but also a peace deal between Serbia and Kosovo. When Trump entered office and everyone was predicting the worst and saying he's going to be the worst president ever, I did say, look, we're all joking about this now, but watch, Trump is going to bring peace to the Middle East. Well, he sort of has. <laughs> so right, right, actually at my hotel right now where I'm staying in DC, I'm here to do a, a few episodes of Verdict with Senator Cruz. At my hotel, you have delegations from Israel, you have delegations from Bahrain, you have delegations from all over because directly across the street at the White House, they're signing an historic peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Israel and Bahrain. You're getting two new Middle East peace deals. This is the first time in decades that this has happened. Uh, it's pretty important stuff. So you've got those two deals, but it's not even just regarding Israel. It, we always joke about Middle East peace being the hardest thing to solve, right? Because that, that area of the world has been at war now for thousands and thousands of years. But that's not the only place that's at war. And it's not the only place that the Trump administration is working on peace deals. He's also gotten one in Kosovo and Serbia. For any of the 90s kids or people who were alive before then, you'll remember there was major violence in Kosovo in the late 1990s. There have always been these sorts of tensions. They've been simmering for a long time. Trump also gets a deal on that. Even Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is admitting that President Trump is doing a good job. This specifically on the California wildfires. Take a listen to Newsom heaping praise on Trump. I want to thank you and acknowledge the work that you've done to be immediate in terms of your response to our FMAG request 14. And we were just talking, Mark Giladucci is the head of the Office of Emergency Service. This may be a record that the states received in the FMAG support, uh, as well as the major disaster declaration, which you referenced on August 22nd, which was profoundly significant, not only to help us support our mutual aid system, but also individuals that are in desperate need of support. Uh, we can agree to disagree, and I appreciate your frame on the politics of this, uh, but let me just acknowledge two things briefly, and I'll turn it back to you. Um, there's no question when you look past this decade and looking past almost a thousand plus years that we have not done justice on our forest management. I don't think anyone disputes that. I want to acknowledge we have uh, our U.S. forest representative here. The state of California, your administration just entered into a first type commitment over the next 20 years to double 
our vegetation management and forest management. Right. I want to thank you for supporting that effort. You ever notice how all these Democratic psychos talk a big talk when they go on CNN or MSNBC, but then when they're face to face with Trump, they have to admit he's doing a pretty good job? You know, there have been wildfires raging throughout California and, and Oregon and all over the place. And the left broadly is blaming it on climate change and Trump's not doing enough on climate change. And you got to hear what Joe Biden's saying about this, which we'll get to in a second. But Gavin Newsom there is coming out and he's actually admitting, no, it's kind of our fault. Sorry. Yeah, we probably should have managed those forests, huh? But we didn't do that very well. Yikes. Sorry about that. And why? Well, one, because he's got to suck up to Trump to get more federal aid. But two, because he's looking him in the face and he knows he can't lie right to his face. Don't forget all these Democrats knew Donald Trump. He would donate to many of their campaigns before he ran for president as a Republican. And so when they're face to face with it, they have to admit, gosh, I hate it. It does. I know I'm not allowed to say this on CNN, but you're doing a pretty good job. He's doing a pretty good job. That's the reality of the situation. But is Trump going to get the Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, I don't think so. Is the mainstream media going to admit that Trump is doing a good job? I don't think so. They've got too much of a vested interest in the disorder. They've got too much of a vested interest in the violence, which is a very, very bad thing. And it's going all the way up to the top. But much more important than that, You need to get car parts at a decent price, and that's why you got to go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, much, much easier than going into the store. You know, I don't know very much about cars. I know this is shocking to you. You think that I'm there every, you know, every weekend working on my car, you know, getting grease all over. Well, no, I don't. I'll I'll admit that I don't. But thankfully, rockauto.com's catalog is so simple even I can navigate it. And you know what happens. You go into a brick and mortar store, you say, I need this gizmo for my car and it's the EX and the FX and whatever. And then they say, oh yeah, we don't have it in stock, but we'll get it in stock. Then they go online. They probably order it from rockauto.com. They charge you twice as much. Don't do it. There's no reason to do that. You can trust rockauto.com. Their prices are always reliably low. They're a family business. They've been serving online customers for 20 years, which by my calculations is basically the entire history of the internet. Uh, They're a family-run company, uh, just uh, really great, reliable guys. Head on over right now to rockauto.com. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. And then, most importantly, write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. rockauto.com and write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So Newsom admits Trump doing a pretty good job. Some people nominating for the Nobel Peace Prize admit Trump doing a good job. Joe Biden, not so much. While the governor of California, where the wildfires are raging, is saying that Trump is not not responsible for the wildfires, because obviously he's not, Joe Biden is calling Trump a climate arsonist. Donald Trump warns that integration is threatening our suburbs. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But you know what is actually threatening our suburbs? Wildfires are burning the suburbs in the West. Floods are wiping out suburban neighborhoods in the Midwest. Hurricanes are imperiling suburban life along our coast. If we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? If you give a climate arsonist four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised if we have more America blaze? 
If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? Trump is destroying the whole world. Well, what's Joe Biden's argument here? Joe Biden, who was famously accused by his own running mate of supporting segregation, palling around with segregationists, opposing policies for integration, is now accusing Donald Trump of supporting segregation because he thinks suburban communities ought to be able to write their own zoning laws and not have the federal government steal that power up, which they did during the Obama administration. That's the first part of what he's saying. And then, because everybody's making the play for suburban voters here. Actually, this Obama-Biden era rule, this power grab in the suburbs was all about turning suburbs, which are traditionally fairly politically split. They're, they're purple districts trying to flip them blue. So what is his play for the suburbs? Why are the suburbs dying? Why are the suburbs becoming less pleasant? Not because Joe Biden supported a rising China, not because Joe Biden famously supported shipping jobs overseas, not because Joe Biden has onerous regulations and has supported onerous regulations from the federal government that's making it much, much harder to do business. No, not any of that. It's because mean old Trump is palling around with the sun monster. That's his argument. It's a ridiculous argument. And then he uses that phrase, Trump is a climate arsonist. What, what is a climate arsonist? Uh, he, he, he's, because he's not supporting a government takeover of manufacturing and industry and proposing all these huge redistributive wealth taxes and not supporting the Green New Deal, $93 trillion to set up reparations for slavery. I don't know what that has to do with the environment. Because Trump's not doing that, then he's responsible for the wildfires, which are being caused by global warming because science says so, except science doesn't say so. And you know who might be starting the wildfires? Not the climate arsonist, but the actual arsonists who are being arrested in Oregon for setting some of these fires. Yes, not President Trump. He's not the one going around burning down the, the forests. Some of these fires are being set by actual arsonists. In Ashland, Oregon, the police chief, Tige O'Meara, announced on Thursday that there is a criminal investigation uh, that has been opened into the cause of the Alameda fire because the circumstances around that fire are suspicious. Here is what the chief said. We've got good reason to believe that there was a human element to it. We're going to pursue it as a criminal investigation until we have reason to believe that it was otherwise. Four people have been arrested so far. This is what the left does. The le it's like that, that meme of that guy who turns around and shoots somebody and then he looks to the camera. He says, why did you do that? <laughs> why, why did Trump do that? That's what the left is doing. The left is committing lots and lots of violence the left is projecting everything that they're doing out. And then they're saying, why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing that? In probably the most discreet violent news, there's a great example of this. There's a guy who uh, was killed by the cops, black man killed by the cops. So what happens? You know, you know what happens? Rioting in the streets, more riots, this time in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I have images of the Amish just rioting over whatever the social justice warrior cause du jour is. The, the rioters, which include BLM and include Antifa, are very upset because uh, a man uh, whose name is Ricardo Munoz, who's uh, 27, was killed by the police. And because Ricardo Munoz is a, a man of color. I don't know his specific racial makeup, but obviously it's very, very important to the rioters. 
Uh, Ricardo Munoz was killed by the police. It couldn't possibly be a justified killing, so we have riots. Except, oh, except we have video, and it turns out that before this, this saint, this martyr, this wonderful man was shot by the police, he charged at them with a knife. You can see the body camera footage. Cops are walking down the street, and then all of a sudden, a guy busts out the door. The cops take off running, by the way. The guy is catching up on them with a knife, wielding a knife in his hand. Finally, cops turn around and shoot the guy. But what's amazing about the body camera footage that people aren't really focusing on is that the minute the guy comes out the door, the cops don't just start shooting. The cops try to run away, and the guy with the knife charges at them as they're running away. And then the officers have no choice but to discharge their weapon. So cue the riots. Riots going on all over the place, as always. No justice, no peace, BLM, Antifa. Shows as clear as day, these riots were never about justice. And conservatives have been kind of dancing around this issue. They'll always say, well, you know, the Jacob Blake shooting, it kind of looked like it was sort of justified. Well, you know, this other shooting or that other shooting looked like it was kind of justified. Well, this fellow doesn't seem to have died because of police brutality entirely. It looks like it might have had something to do with a fentanyl overdose that he was on and resisting arrest. But we've all been dancing around it. Well, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. Maybe the left thinks it's an injustice, but actually when you look at the evidence, which no one ever seems that interested in doing, it wasn't an injustice. Stop it. Stop it. These riots were never about justice, ever. Get that thought out of your head. Tuck it away with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. This insurrection that's going on in our country, being led by Black Lives Matter, being uh, enforced by Antifa, being encouraged and promoted by the mainstream media and elected Democrats and appointed Democrats, was never about justice then why is it that the riots are always triggered by the a shooting? Because the shooting is just the trigger. It's like, it's like the church bell in a charming country town. It's like a rooster crowing in the morning. It's a signal, go out and riot. But it, it doesn't have to be an unjustified shooting. No one cares about that. They, they, they want to riot. The left wants to encourage violence. They just need a signal to let them all know, okay, now's the time that we go out in the streets and be violent, right? You don't, you don't want just one or two people going out in the streets and being violent. That's easier to take down. So there needs to be a signal. What's the signal? Anytime a cop of any race shoots a man of color, whatever that means, for any reason whatsoever, if the media can make it sensational, then the left will go out and become very violent. This is a plan. This plan goes all the way to the top. You don't need to consider this conspiracy type thinking. Listen to the elected and appointed officials themselves, which we will do. But first, we need to listen to one another when we call one another on the phone. But you shouldn't pay too much for your cell phone. I know. You look at your cell phone bill, you say, there's no way this ever changes. There's no way. For some reason, the bill gets more and more expensive and they've got all these kind of hidden fees. And if, if you're like me, you'd take a look at your bill and you say, gosh, this is so much more money than I should be paying. Well, what if I told you that you can save... on your cell phone bill and not sacrifice any service. And by not sacrifice any service, I'm not saying that there is another, you know, kind of cell network or there are these other cell towers and they're good. They're just as good. No, I'm saying 
let's say you got AT&T or Verizon, Pure Talk USA will use the exact same network, the exact same coverage, the exact same towers, but you save 50%. How is that? It sounds too good to be true. It's not. The average person is saving $400 a year. You can get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just $20 a month. They've got a plan that fits every need and budget. Customer service located in the USA. They don't charge you for a whole lot of data and perks that you'll never use. They don't charge you for these zillion dollar advertising campaigns. And so the savings goes right to you. Unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for $20 per month. All you need to do is grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword, Michael Knowles. Do that. You will save a ton of money. You can thank me later. Pound 250, say keyword Knowles, keyword Michael Knowles. You got to say the whole name. Otherwise they'll think you're talking about Beyonce. When you do, you will save 50% off your first month. This violence that has nothing to do with justice is, is being organized from the top of the left. While Trump is being nominated for Nobel Peace Prizes, rightly so, the left is openly calling for and celebrating violence. The city manager of Linwood, California, Jose Omatotal, I don't know how to pronounce his name and I don't really care to, uh, posted on his uh, Instagram a, a viral message. He's, he's since made his Instagram private. This comes from Malcolm X, the 1960s radical uh, leader who said, chickens coming home to roost. This is Malcolm X said this about the killing of JFK. So these are the chickens coming home to roost because, you know, America and white people are really evil. And so it's totally just that they're now being assassinated. Well, that's what the city manager in Linwood is saying over the shooting of two sheriff's deputies there. This is not some radical activist like Malcolm X. I mean, I guess he is a radical activist, but he's a city manager. And what's a city manager? It's a job that probably shouldn't even exist. A city manager is an appointed official who is appointed by an elected official to do the elected official's job, namely running the city. This goes all the way back to something we've been talking about for, for weeks on this show, which is the progressive movement going back to Woodrow Wilson and even a little before that sought to separate politics from administration used to be you elect a guy and the guy runs the government and then you don't like him, you kick him out and you get some new guy in there. But after the progressive era, you have this separation. So you elect the guy, but it doesn't really matter who you elect because the administrative state on the local level and on the national level is just going to keep humming along and they're going to keep running your life for you. And they're not going to be particularly accountable to politics. So that's what a city manager is. This guy is, is the deep state, right? On a very local level, this guy is the representative of the deep state that just goes about and doesn't really care what you think about the way he's, he's running your lives. And this guy is as radical as they get. He's saying that sheriff's deputies should be murdered, should be, should just completely unprovoked, should be shot down in the streets, including a 30 something year old mother, a, a woman just shot by this thug because, I don't know, because white people are bad or something, or because America's evil or racist or something like that. That's how far the radicalism goes. No argument about justice, pure vengeance, pure intimidation, pure violence. Now, they obviously don't care about Black Lives Matter or whatever stupid saying they're, they're talking about because the city manager and the left and the media and the elected Democrats, they don't talk about the people being killed in Baltimore and Chicago. Guess how many people were shot last week 
in Baltimore? Take a guess. What do you say? How many people should be shot in a, just a week in an American city? None, really, but let's say one, two, 50. 50 people shot in Baltimore over the course of one week from Sunday, September 6th through Sunday, September 13th. 50 shot, 15 shot fatally. Democrat city. Nobody cares. There's an overwhelmingly black city. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about Black Lives Matter. Chicago. Guess how many people were shot in one weekend? Not a week, a weekend. 50 people. Two days. 50 people, 11 of them shot fatally. Democrat-run city, overwhelmingly black. None of these people care. The, the city manager of Linwood doesn't care. Joe Biden doesn't care. The mainstream media don't care. Because that violence isn't, isn't useful to them. So they're not going to exploit it. They're not going to sensationalize it. Uh, conservatives do this thing. I think we're all kind of guilty of it where we try to make some rhyme or reason out of what the left is doing. Well, maybe this city manager of Linwood who's celebrating the attempted murder of two sheriff's deputies, maybe he just doesn't understand. Maybe he just needs a little bit of a better argument. Maybe we just need to make better arguments, don't you think? No, there's no arguing with this complete degenerate city manager. There's no arguing with people who are calling for riots and violence in the streets. There's no, they've, they've abandoned argument. They've abandoned reason. They've abandoned logic. Now, we can make arguments to people on the right. We can make arguments to the handful of people who are undecided or to the many people who consider themselves apolitical and who don't really pay a ton of attention to these issues. But there is no arguing with the left that's encouraging this violence. I mean, by definition, if you're, if you're calling for insurrection in the streets, you're saying we're going to abandon reason. We're going to abandon logic. And so we should stop wasting our time and our breath trying to argue with them. We need to start spending our energy exercising political power as we can, because the left is trying to steal this election. I was on the phone with someone yesterday with a professor friend of mine who was, was asking, what do you think is going to happen with the election? Do you think Trump is going to win? You know, I said, yeah, I think he's going to win. Uh, if, if the votes are counted, but I think he's going to lose because I think they're going to steal it. So it's, uh, it's my two answers. Yeah. I think if the election were held today and the vote were fair, Trump would win overwhelmingly. I think he would win all the states in Greenland. Maybe, okay. Maybe not that much. We haven't annexed Greenland yet, unfortunately, but I, I think he would win and uh, significantly, but that's not what we're asking in this election is the left has already told us they're not going to play fair. They've already told us they're not going to concede the election because this is never about justice. You know what's going to happen in my own, my own home state of New York on Thanksgiving? You always look forward to it. It's, it's kind of the mark, the beginning of the Christmas season, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, I've got such wonderful memories as a little kid waking up, sipping hot cocoa, watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Well, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year. For the first time in the 90-year history of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, they're not going to hold it because of coronavirus. That's what they say, but it's not about coronavirus and it's not about public health. Bill de Blasio, uh, back in July, when everyone was worried about the second wave and coronavirus jumping up again, Bill de Blasio said, yeah, we're going to cancel these gatherings. We're going to cancel parades or whatever, you know, these kind of similar peaceful gatherings. We're going to cancel in-room in dining. We're going to cancel bars. We're going to cancel concerts. We're going to cancel every peaceful activity where you can join together. And then he's asked about the violent riots and the protests. And you know what he says? Those are okay. What about protests? If people want to march down Fifth Avenue, are they going to be allowed to do so? 
Look, Wolf, this is always an area of real sensitivity. If you're just talking about health, we would always say, hey, folks, you know, stay home if you can. But we understand at this moment in history, people are talking about the need for historic changes. I mean, today in New York City, you know, recognizing the power and the meaning of the message Black Lives Matter, which we did in front of Trump Tower today, uh, this is a historic moment of change. We have to respect that, but also say to people, the, the kinds of gatherings we're used to, the, the parades, the fairs, we just can't have that while we're focusing on health right now. The kinds of gatherings we're used to, you know, all the peaceful gatherings, every single one of them, we can't have those. And we can't have those for 15 days. Sorry, I mean 15 months. Sorry, I mean 15 years. Sorry, I mean no end in sight. We can't ever have those again so long as we're out of power. Or I guess they're in power, but they're not in power at the presidency. They're not in power at the Senate. They're only half in power at the Supreme Court. So sorry, we can't have those until you give us all the political power we want. We can have violent riots though, and we're going to have a lot more of them if you don't elect us. That's implicit. That's what he's saying. Obviously, it's not about public health unless the coronavirus can discern between a peaceful parade, the, you know, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade and violent rioters and mobbers and marauders in this. Unless you can figure out, oh, okay, we're going to go, it's a Republican, we're going to infect them. Oh, no, it's a Democrat, hold off virus, hold off fellow viruses. Unless it can differentiate that way, then obviously this was never about public health. And, and de Blasio admits it. He says, look, we got to cancel all the fun stuff that we all enjoy that's peaceful and lets us live together. But this is a moment of historic change. What historic change? Oh, it's a power grab. That's what I mean, historic change. That's a code word for a leftist power grab. And so we're going to exploit that. And they're not just doing it in New York. And they're not just doing it in left-wing states. They're doing it at the national level. And they are explicitly threatening conservatives with more violence, explicit, if they don't win the election. We'll get, we'll get into those threats because there's a new one that just came out in the Atlantic. They're all on board with this. But first, this October, the Daily Wire God King, Jeremy Boring, is going to be presenting alongside a group of incredibly successful business owners at Expert Ownership Live. This is another thing that I'm, I'm always slightly interested in because, you know, look, I think about politics all the time. I think about culture all the time. I don't think about business quite as much. You know, we all kind of think about business just to get along, make some money. But there are people who focus on business as their profession, as their area of expertise. This conference features a lineup of speakers, including world-renowned leadership author John Maxwell, the founders of Duck Commander and Otterbox, the Benham Brothers, many others who can relate to what entrepreneurs and leaders are going through right now. They will share their stories about their own businesses and startup journeys, the tough times that come along with all of those journeys inevitably, and how they were able to come out even stronger on the other side. Obviously, we're all thinking about how to keep our businesses afloat these days. The best part, if you go to expertownershiplive.com slash Knowles right now, you will be able to register for just $97. And then you can bring a friend for half off. You do not want to miss Jeremy, the God King Boring, discussing business. Go to expertownershiplive.com slash Knowles. Register for only $97 for a limited time. What's that address? Expertownershiplive.com slash Knowles. And then head on over to The Daily Wire. We will be right back with a lot more. We are already in a constitutional crisis and a lot of people don't know it yet. 
The political operatives know it. The Joe Biden campaign knows it. Even the Republicans listening to the Democratic campaigns know it. But a lot of people don't understand. They say, oh, well, I hope everything goes well on election day. Oh, well, I hope we can, you know, resolve this issue peacefully, even though they're already rioting murderous Democrats around the country, burning down the country. We're already in the constitutional crisis. The, the election is already being contested. No, no one's cast a ballot yet, and it's already being contested. This is a pure power play. Joe Biden, the campaign, is now reportedly expanding its army of lawyers, election lawyers, experts in preparation for the legal battle on election day. For those who were alive and conscious during the 2000 presidential election, Bush v. Gore, you will remember how many lawyers were brought in and litigated that thing all the way up to the Supreme Court. What we're looking at right now in November could be Bush v. Gore times 10, literally times 10, right? Could be in 10 different states. Could be in more than 10 states. The same intensity that was focused on Florida, hanging chads, how the election should be counted in Florida could be expanded to, I guess, every state in the country. Somebody tells me they're not going to contest deep red or deep blue. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Joe Biden already announced this in July. He announced that he had hired 600 lawyers to contest the results of the election. And on top of this, Hillary Clinton, the former future president, former Democratic nominee for president, came out and said that Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. So we've got to have a massive legal operation. And I know the Biden campaign is working on that. We have to have poll workers. And I urge people who are able to uh, be a poll worker. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the, the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. This is a big organizational challenge, but at least we know more about what they're going to do. And, you know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. If we steal the election, Joe Biden is going to win. That's what she's saying. I mean, she's saying it as clearly as you possibly can. And the way she's doing it is the way the left always does this, which is they say, Donald Trump is going to inspire violence, so we need to be really violent. Donald Trump is going to steal the election, so we need to steal the election. Donald Trump is not going to concede, so we need to not concede the election and steal it and hire a bunch of lawyers. They're not saying we need to hire a bunch of get out the vote workers, saying we need to hire a bunch of lawyers to steal the election. And yet, for all the talk we've heard about how Trump is an authoritarian, he's Hitler, he's the mango Mussolini, he's violent. What, what violence has Trump kicked off, encouraged, condoned, celebrated? None. None. He's given us peace deals, historic peace deals. As I speak, they're getting ready to sign two peace deals right across the street from me. They've been signing them. We've had a decrease of tensions all around the world. We've had a drawdown of troops. We've had a drawdown of wars, wars that Democrats ginned up. The reality of Trump is he's been peaceful. Meanwhile, what have Democrats been doing? 
openly encouraging violence in the streets. We've been told that Trump is going to steal the election. How, pray tell, is Trump going to steal the election? Hillary just said, there there are going to be intimidating people outside of polling places. Give me one example, one example of conservatives intimidating voters at polling places. You can't. How about, how about examples on the other side? Well, uh, you had the Black, the Black Panther Party, the, the new Black Panther Party that was actively intimidating people outside of polling stations in recent years. The media said, oh no, forget about that. Don't, don't, look, don't look at that video. Don't look at those photos. That's not real. Obviously, the Democrats are intimidating people on how to vote right now. They're burning down the country and killing people over, through political violence and celebrating it. And Bill de Blasio saying, yeah, that's okay. No peaceful gatherings, but violent gatherings, totally cool, totally fine. Important, necessary, historic change. Tell me how Trump is going to steal the election. No way. No, Trump has not said, I'm not going to concede under any circumstances. The Democrats are the ones who are saying that. And now we have the, the, the latest threat from the media, from the Atlantic. You'll remember we, we saw the Atlantic on yesterday's show because the editor-in-chief of the Atlantic published absolute trash using only anonymous sources to say that Trump hates the troops. I mean, it was, it was a childish libel, childish calumny to come out and say, yeah, Trump said that troops are suckers and they're losers and they're bad. And then co- just coincidentally, within hours of the, the Atlantic story coming out, Democrats have all of these, all of these campaign commercials ready to go. It's like, well, you might, you might think there could be some collusion there. Well, now the, the wonderful esteemed Atlantic, which I used to read, by the, I used to actually get the Atlantic to my door and read some of the articles. Now I like one writer at the Atlantic. There's one halfway decent writer. She's actually a very good writer. The rest, complete trash. Shadi Hamid, the Democrats may not be able to concede. If Trump wins, especially after losing the popular vote, the left may draw the wrong conclusions. This is the era of expecting the worst while hoping for the merely tolerable. And then they go on to whine about Trump and, you know, how he's an awful, terrible guy. And then you get to the meat of it in the second paragraph. Here's the bottom line. A loss by Joe Biden under these circumstances is the worst case, not because Trump will destroy America, he can't, but because it is the outcome most likely to undermine faith in democracy, is it now, resulting in more of the social unrest and street battles that cities, including Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, have seen in recent months. By the way, not social unrest, just Democrats burning it down and killing people. And then occasionally a Republican who's being chased down will will defend himself. And then that's called so, so social unrest. Both sides doing it, right? Very fine people on both sides. No, it's Democrats committing all of the unjustified violence. And then the money line. For this reason, strictly law and order Republicans who have responded in dismay to scenes of rioting and looting have an interest in Biden winning, even if they could never bring themselves to vote for him. You got an interest. Did you know that? You, you conservative. You have an interest in Joe Biden winning. You know why? Because if you don't let Joe Biden win, we're going to kill you. That's what he's saying. That's what the Atlantic is saying. And that's what the Democrats are saying. Joe Biden threatened it a little more subtly on Twitter or whatever campaign flack wrote it for him on Twitter uh, just a few months ago. He said, we can't take four more years of this, of all this violence. Okay, well, stop being violent. <laughs> you know, stop burning down the cities. Seems easy enough, right? Oh, no, you're, you're not going to stop burning it down until we give you what you want. And if we don't give you what you want, you're going to attack our stores, steal our stuff, burn down our cities, and maybe even kill us. So you got an interest. 
I don't think I have an interest in Joe Biden winning. I don't think I want to live in a country where I can be extorted like, like by the mob. I don't think that I have an interest in giving up all of my political power, all of my constitutional rights, because I'm being threatened by people and they're threatening my property and my life. I don't think I have an interest in that. I don't think any of us have an interest in that. That's the threat. That, and that's the reality. They're doing it right now. We've got to pay very close attention to the reality. I think this is finally breaking through the polls, by the way. I think the, the riots have not played well in Peoria, and that's why Joe Biden's numbers have gone down and Trump's numbers have gone up. And it's why the Democrats aren't even pretending to be trying to win this thing fair and square anymore. They're not even, they're not even talking about it. Now they're just talking about the violence. Now they're just talking about the lawyers. Now they're just talking openly about stealing the election. We're already in this constitutional crisis, okay? And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of unjust mayhem the left is causing, and it doesn't even matter what kind of great wins we're getting from Trump. Peace deals, doesn't matter. Gavin Newsom, when he's begging for federal aid, has to kind of admit it. But the, the left liberal establishment doesn't. What's it all about? It's because Trump is making changes that actually threaten the left. You know, we talk about squishy Republicans, squishy conservatives, conservative, but not that kind of conservative, right? And these are guys who play in to the liberal narrative. They play their role as court jester in the kingdom of liberalism. And they say, I wish we could have gotten more, but the culture moves to the left. Yeah, we've elected some Republicans, but we still get cuties on Netflix and the fundamental redefinition of marriage and no threats to abortion whatsoever. And now the undermining of sex itself and a rewriting of what biological sex means in the Civil Rights Act. And uh, yeah, but look, just a shame. Just one more conservative judge, just one more Republican president, then we'll get all the change. No, it's a fixed game. And then Trump comes in and in a modest way, but a significant way, actually starts to threaten things, actually starts to change things, actually starts to, to change the system of mass migration, which is, is intended to fundamentally change the country by changing the, the people who vote and give the Democrats a permanent supermajority. So he gets a little win. I mean, this is, they hated Trump for the immigration issue. Immigra- immigration reduction is a bipartisan issue. The majority of Americans want to dramatically reduce not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration. And they want to reduce it by huge numbers, by 60%. This, this according to multiple surveys. So why doesn't it get done? Why do we only get more and more and more and more mass migration? Because the liberal state has a vested interest in flooding the country with people who are going to be much more likely to vote for them. Trump just got a big win on immigration. That's why you need more violence in the streets. That's why you got to steal the election. All the more important. On Monday, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals used to be one of the most left-wing courts in the country. Now it's actually somewhat conservative, thanks to the Republican victory. They gave Trump a win. In a 2-1 ruling, they permitted Trump to terminate what's called the Temporary Protected Status Designations of Sudan, Nicaragua, Haiti, and El Salvador. Consider how far gone our political self-government is. When you have a program that was instituted years ago to give temporary protected status to certain countries, meaning they can flood the country with mass migration, and then the administration is not allowed to remove the temporary protected status. Temporary. Seems to me like it's permanent protected status, which we have had effectively in this country for the regime of mass migration as just one example of how the left is illegitimately trying to grab power and undermine self-government. 
So uh, uh, you, you vote, you go out and vote and you elect Trump and Trump says, yeah, I'm going to reduce mass migration. Then he goes in and he says, oh, okay, well, how do we do it? Oh, there's this program called the temporary mass migration program. So I guess we, we can just end that because it's temporary. Oh no, we can't. We can't because a court ruled that he's not allowed to overturn the temporary program. But now the court of appeals has ruled that he can. Presumably this will be litigated all the way up to the top. That is the kind of political stakes that we're at. That is a, a crisis, a constitutional crisis. What happens in November is going to happen. What's going to happen is, is on election night, Trump is going to win, I think, by a lot. And then the left is going to say, nope, doesn't count. Gotta, gotta wait for those mail-ins to come in. And then they're going to go and they're going to write as many mail-in ballots as they need to make sure that Trump loses. And if for some reason, if by some fluke that doesn't work, they're just going to keep burning down the country. That's the threat. Headline of the Atlantic, the Democrats may not be able to concede. No, they can. <laughs> they're able. They're able to concede, but they're not going to do it. And the leaders of the party are telling them not to do it. That is a constitutional crisis. That is the, the normalization, the professionalization of political violence. Meanwhile, President Peace Prize is just going over there, signing one peace deal after another, happening across the street as we speak. What kind of country do you want to live in? Unfortunately, it might be too late to even have a choice. We'll keep on swinging, we'll keep on fighting, but, but know that we are heading into a political battle, the likes of which we haven't seen in this country, maybe for over a century. On that gleeful note, I'm going to go enjoy this day of uh, peace, peace deals. We're going to go do a couple episodes of The Verdict Podcast on this very topic, and then I will see you all tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. Joe Biden was turned into a jack-in-the-box with a Biden head yesterday and wished into the cornfield, where he made one of the stupidest, most dishonest speeches of his career, and the press loved it. We are all living in the twilight zone. I'll talk about it on The Andrew Clavin Show.